powerful video, right? A very powerful video meant to draw your attention in this morning. For those of you who I don't know, my name's Joe. I serve as one of the pastors here at Riverbend. Want to welcome each and every one of you here today with us as we are in a season of celebrating all that this Christmas means as we look to Jesus and all that he's come to do for us. And we love to have some fun here at Riverbend. So we've thought it would be fun on this day. We're going to be doing a gingerbread house making party following the gathering to do an ugly sweater day. So way to represent. If you wore an ugly sweater, just stand up for us so that we can see it on display. Yes. Yes. Way to represent. Yes. 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 Let's give it up for all of our participants. Great job. Go ahead and grab a seat. I, uh, I picked up this one because I was like, man, I love Snoopy, love Joe Cool, and you know, they often call me Joe Cool as well. No, I'm just kidding. They don't, they don't usually call me that. But we're actually in a teaching series this Christmas season called The Gift, and this series is really focused on what gifts were given, what gifts were given to Jesus when the wise men or the magi brought those, those gifts to Jesus. Do you guys remember the three gifts that Jesus received? Go ahead. Yes, gold, frankincense, and myrrh. I'm not trying to do a trick question at you. And, and how many were there that gave the gifts? We do not know, right? We, we assume it's three because three gifts were given, but we don't know for sure how many were there. Well, that brings us to the passage that's guiding us through this series, and that's found, again, in Matthew's Gospel, Matthew 2, 9 through 11. It says this. After they had heard the king, and they is for speak, speaking to the, of, of the magi and the wise men, they went on their way, and the star they had seen when it rose went ahead of them until it stopped over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they were overjoyed. On coming to the house, they saw the child with his mother, Mary, and they bowed down and worshiped him. Then they opened their treasures and presented him with gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And we know these wise men are, are Gentiles, men of the East, men of affluence and influence. And they came over specifically to find Jesus, to worship him, to bow down low, and to give, them, to give him their gifts, the gifts that they had. And so the first gift we're going to look at as we started to look at the responses of everybody in this passage is we're going to look at the gift of gold. And gold is a gift that is fit for a king. Gold is a gift that is fit for a king because these gifts symbolize who Jesus is and what he actually would accomplish, how he would go to work and do what he would do through his life, death, burial, and a resurrection. And so again, gold is a gift that's associated with, with a king. And so I thought we would have a little fun this morning before we jump in to really what this looks like in the life of Jesus. And I think it would be fun for us to name that king. So I have a couple kings, images that come up, and whether they are literally a king or they have king in their name, your job is to participate, all right? You ready for this? Say, I'm ready. Okay, here we go. Here's the first king. Simba, the Lion King. We often do this with our puppy, Evie, who's four months old. Our mini golden doodle, right? Here, here's the next one. Yeah, Martin Luther King Jr., right? Civil rights leader, made a huge impact. His faith led the way. 
So Martin Luther King Jr., here's the next one. Oh, yeah, that's, that shows some people's age, and uh, both, both as the young and the old, right? They're like, I don't know who that is. Good music, good music, they say. All right, he is really good. So I'm, I know I'm in my 40s, so I can, I can maybe uh, say that. All right, anyways, next, next guy, here we go. Larry King, known for doing great, great interviews. So Larry King, some of you are like, I have no clue who this guy is. I have no, no clue who he is. And here's the last one. Here's the last one. King Charles. King Charles, all right? So these are the kings. Now, here's what I want us to do, because in the passage of Matthew 2, there's two kings that are actually mentioned. There's King Herod and King Jesus. And so here's a question for us, and I want you to participate with me in this. What was the difference between King Herod and King Jesus? What was the difference? Who determined their status is one thing, right? Some people said that was deep. Oh, yeah. oh, all right. All right. All right. Who determined their status? Okay, what, what else? Love. One led with love, right? What's that? Their names is different. I like that. That's true. That's true. Their age. So he, here's the thing that's interesting. Here's, here's what's interesting. One king came to be served. Another king came to serve. One king was about his power and his prestige. The other king took his power and his prestige and purposely lowered himself for us. One king, one king took life. The other king came to give life. And this is really important that we don't miss this because Jesus is a king like no other. Jesus is a king like no other. And I don't want us to miss it this Christmas season and beyond, just the sheer majesty and beauty of who this Jesus is. Because we need to come face to face with who he is and what he's come to do for us. See, Jesus is a king like no other. And I think it's important that we take a a step back before we look at the baby in the manger to understand fully who he was and who he is, even as he came into the earth. Because Jesus is always the same, yesterday and today and forever, right? Hebrews 13, 8 tells us that. But I want you to hear how the Apostle Paul describes King Jesus before we jump into the passage that we will be anchoring ourselves in this, this day, which is Philippians 2. We're going to get there in just a minute. But listen to how Paul describes Jesus. This is describing Jesus. This is Paul writing to the church in Colossae, Colossians 1, 15 through 17. He says this, the Son is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation, meaning he's number one, meaning it's about him. And it goes on to say this, for in him all things were created, all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities, all things have been created through him. And what does he say? And for him. He is before all things, and in him all things, what? They hold together. This is Paul describing who this Jesus is. And if you want to really even take a deep dive into who he is, I have just been blown away by Colossians 1 this last week. 
It's been so good to just sit and let it soak and wash over me as I consider who this Jesus is. And Paul would talk about how Jesus would have first place in everything. And as you look at this passage, we, we hear that Jesus is God. God the, God the Son, right? God the Father, God the Son, God the Spirit always existed and will always exist. And yet, he took on flesh. He took on flesh. And all things were created by him and for him. And if you want to see another passage that really paints this picture, look at John 1. Because John 1 really helps us to understand and see very clearly how the light has come. The light of life has come, and it is Jesus. So as we continue on here today, I want to give you this. King Jesus lowered himself for you. King Jesus lowered himself for you. And I want you to put your name in that. We're going to say that on three, that King Jesus lowered himself for me, right? One, two, three. King Jesus lowered himself for me. We need to personalize this message. We need to understand what it means, what it signifies, how he came and what he came to do. Because he's a king like no other. He is a king like no other. If you have your Bibles, I want to invite you to open up with me. We're going to be looking at this passage found in Philippians, Philippians 2. And Paul again is writing to another church, the church in Philippi. So Philippians 2. And I want you to hear how Paul describes what it is that Jesus has done, what he has done, and what that does for us, and what ultimately, ultimately will be done in light of what it is that he's come to do and what he accomplished on our behalf. So starting in verse 5 of Philippians 2, verses are on the screen. I invite you to take out a copy of the Bible. Use the app as well. It says this, in your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus. Some good relationship advice going on here from the Apostle Paul, right? He says, in your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus, who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own what? To his own what? To his own advantage. Another translation says to his own gain, for his own gain. Rather... He made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a what? On a cross. And so we start to see this description of, of who this Jesus is, what he's come to do, how he lowered himself for you, in for me, how he humbled himself, how he became a servant, and how he did this as he followed what his heavenly father, God the Father, had for him. And he had what his father had for him in mind and heart that led and directed his life. But then he had you and me in mind that he laid down himself willingly to the point of death on the cross. It's through his life, death, burial, and resurrection, that we can have a right standing with God, that we can have forgiveness of sins. It's because of what Jesus has done. And it's because of what Jesus has, has done and what Colossians would go on to say in Colossians 1.21, how he's redeeming all things, all things on earth and in heaven. 
Jesus, the great redeemer, would do what you and I could not do for ourselves with our sin-stained condition. Because we can never, we can never earn our way up to God. And like every other world religion that talks about this is what you have to do to be in good standing with God. This is how you accomplish it. This is how you take the things that you've done that are out of line with God's character. Another word for that is sin. Either the sins of omission or commission, meaning I'm omitting things that God asked me to do and I'm doing the things that God doesn't want me to do, right? Whatever it is, world religions say, hey, you've got to work your way to God. Somehow the scales will be evened out. And, you know, we can do that in other ways as well. We can do things like, hey, I am going to be the ultimate leader of my life, and I'm going to build my life around how I perceive the world versus looking at his perception of the world, the creator of me, and the one that has for me his purposes for my life and knows what's best for me. And yet Jesus comes to us. He pursues us. He comes down to us. He comes down the ladder of heaven as a baby. And he won't stay that way. He'll eventually become a young boy, will become a teenager, a man, will be tempted in every way without giving into it, will be crucified on a cross. And then, praise be to God, three days later, he's resurrected from the dead. Friends, this is good news. This is Christmas. This is what he came to do. God in flesh, fully God, fully man, revealed to you and to me and for us and for all people for all time. And so as we think about that, I'm going to give you a couple of things. First is this, that King Jesus came as a servant to save you. King Jesus came as a servant to save you. No one took his life from him. He gave himself willingly, literally leaving heaven and then ultimately on the cross, right? And then we see him buried and resurrected from the dead. But he came for you. He came as a servant to save you. Because you may not know this, but our issue isn't that we're bad people. Our issue is that we're spiritually dead and we need to be brought back to spiritual life. And there's only one that could do that. There's only one that could rescue us, as Paul would say in Colossians, from the dominion of darkness from spiritual death to bring us into spiritual life. The great rescuer, the great king, the one who is a king like no other, who would purposely lower himself for you and for me, King Jesus. King Jesus came as a servant to save you. The next part of this is King Jesus lowered himself to lift us up to his heavenly father. And I, I want you to hear this this Christmas. Some of us, our issue isn't what we've done with Jesus as a savior. Our issue is not understanding that through Jesus, we have his righteousness over our lives. We are not our worst moment, but we are Jesus's perfect moment as we are hidden in Christ. That is ours. That is our inheritance. And this Christmas, you know, a lot of times in Christmas time, have you noticed that you purposely turn off certain music and turn on other music. At least my wife does this. This is my wife. My wife, any other kind of music that's not Christmas music through the month of December goes off. Anybody else like that? 
Anybody else like that? Show a hand. Yeah, come on now. We got some people here, all right? We don't, you don't have to be ashamed, all right? You don't have to be ashamed of it. But uh, I'm, if she's driving my car and I get in, she's got the, the radio station with the Christmas music. Oh, so good. And, and then recently I found myself really getting into it. Like I'm pleasantly surprised. I'm like, wow, I'm glad she set the radio to the station. I'm really getting into it. I'm like, oh man, now I'm, now I'm feeling these vibes. I'm feeling these, these Christmas these Christmas songs and, and reminding me of, of this season and, and all that signifies. You know, in our lives as well, we need to tune our radio, our PlayStation, to what it is Jesus has come to do for us. We need to just let that wash over us. Because what I'm afraid of is oftentimes we let the voices of what we've done wrong, the shame part, or our pride, I know better than you, or our fear, what if I'm found out? Or our blaming, it's this person's fault, and not, not that there's not some real things we need to process, that we miss out on actually what he's come to do and what he says of us. How through Jesus, we're called holy and blameless, as Paul would say, without accusation. This is our identity in Christ. This is what is available to us. Are you tuning your radio to that? Because if we're going to have the same mindset of Christ in our relationships with others, we can't do that if we're not receiving the right message and living in light of the right song that is playing over us. What song are you listening to? What song is playing over you? What is leading your life? Are you living in the truth? Are you living in the lies? Because the good news is the king has come. And he's come for you and he's come for me. He's lowered himself. He lifts us up and he lifts up our head. We're hidden in him. So as we think about that, here's another part of this that I want to ask you. Will you lower yourself to King Jesus in order to be lifted up to the Father? Will you humble yourself? Do you notice through this passage in Matthew 2 and Philippians 2, there's an interesting thing. This idea of lowering, the Magi lowered themselves. In fact, it says that they bowed down. They bowed down. They got down low. Jesus got down low. Got down low for you and for me. And when we get down low in this way and, and we receive what he's come to do for us, then we get to walk in the life that he created for us because he's made us on purpose and for a purpose. We get to, to walk in that. And I, I think about the times where people serve me. Or people maybe serve you. And, and doesn't, doesn't it mean a lot to you? And I know we're in Pennsylvania, and I mean this in the kindest way. People from Pennsylvania often have a hard time being served. And I know I'm generalizing a little bit, all right? But oftentimes they want to be the one serving. Have you noticed that? Like they're like, hey, I want to serve. But I, I feel like, I'm, man, you're being an imposition if you serve me. And I have to tell people often, listen, you're not a burden. You're a blessing, but there's power and beauty when we receive the gift of being served. Praise be to God, Jesus has perfectly come to serve us. And I don't want you to miss, I don't want you to miss the beauty of it, but the only way you receive it is by lowering yourself. By lowering yourself, receiving it. And by receiving it from one another, receiving what it is that Christ has come to do for us and to give to us. He's made a way. And this is good news for us this Christmas season. Well, it goes on to say this in Philippians 2, 
9 through 11. And I thought we could have a little fun with this. We're going to read this actually out loud together, all right, on three. You ready? And if you lose your place, there's no judgment. It's fine, all right? We're going to just let this wash over us on three. One, two, three. Therefore, God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth. And every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Great job. Give yourself a round of applause. Great reading. Great reading. So as we think about what happens here, it says, therefore, therefore God did what? He exalted him to the what? What place? The highest place. And gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow. Every knee should bow. And I want you not to miss this. Every knee is going to bow. Every knee, whether you receive Jesus or not, you are going to bow. When our time is done here on earth, we will bow before King Jesus as he makes all things new. Again, we will all bow down to King Jesus. It's just a matter of when. And so I want to invite you because of the love and grace of Jesus and what he's come to do for us to not wait, but to bow now. To bow now. To bow, first of all, as him being your savior. And then to bow down as him being the leader of your life. To say, I give you my life. I give you the agenda, the activity that I have in my life. I give you every aspect of me. I want my life integrated into you. I want my full person brought to what you gave when you gave your full person because you care about every part of me, every inch of my life you care about. You care deeply for me. You care about my spiritual life. You care about my physical life. You care about my mental life, my emotional life. You care about all those aspects. You care about my sexuality and my relationships. You care about all those things. And the thing that you are inviting me into is life because life is found in you. The way of life, the fullness of life, the way that we experience the full measure of his love and his kingship is to bow down. Both physically speaking, right? That's a physical term, but it's also a, a heart posture, isn't it? To walk in humility, to walk in surrender, to say yes to Jesus. Again, will you bow down to King Jesus now? Because again, it's just a matter of time. We're all going to bow down. We're going to bow down at some point. And I don't want us to miss what he has for us. But then as we go on here, here's the other part of this. How can you join, how can we join in lifting up King Jesus this Christmas season? So we want to we walk in this, this bowing down. We want to lower our lives. And, and I want to say to you, part of lowering our lives is this posture of saying yes to Jesus. Part of this is surrendering to him. Part of this is yielding ourselves even to one another as God is trying to use each other in our lives. And, and the closer the relationship that's centered around Jesus, the more we have an opportunity to become like Christ. Another word for that is sanctification. If you're married, you know what I mean, right? Like, 
You know, one of the most sanctifying uh, gifts that brings a lot of joy and helps me to become more like Christ is my relationship with Amy. She helps me to understand the things I may be missing and not seeing. We need one another, but it's not limited to marriage. It's in friendship as well, right? We have people that are intended to help shape us and sharpen us to become what Christ has for us, to take on his character in our lives. And so as we think about that, as we think about this idea, Paul makes it clear we're to have the same mindset as as Christ. So part of having the same mindset of Christ is to lower ourselves, to remember what he's done, but to ask the question, how can I serve as Jesus has served me? But we've got to receive daily him serving us, by the way. We've got to let that fill us. We've got to let his love fill us. We've got to let the, the grace and truth of Jesus fill us. Because if we're not careful, what we'll do is we'll be serving on empty. We'll be giving on empty. And we're not meant to do that. We're not meant to do that. We're meant to give from a place where we experience the fullness of what God says and has done for us. And we bask in that and we behold that. And then we're able to hold out who Jesus is to others. So I want you to think about this. In your work environment, how can you join in lifting up King Jesus? Because we know he's being lifted up. He's going to be lifted up, right? It says that very clearly in Philippians, right? He's going to be lifted up at his name, at who he is. He's, got the, he's received the name above every name that every tongue will confess and every knee will bow that Jesus is Lord. How can we lift him up, who he is, his, his kingship, his kingly ways? How can we walk as our identity in Christ, as the royal priesthood of the believer? How could we step into the fullness of what he has for us in our workplaces, the places that we shop, as we interact with teachers and those in helping professions? How can we, how can we lift up Jesus? How can we serve like Jesus served us? And how can we share what Jesus has come to do for all people? What are the ways that he's asking you specifically uniquely in your life to do that. And I want to give you one way, and it's not the only way, but we're excited about our Christmas Eve gathering. So we've put on your chairs invites for Christmas Eve. And so we've got two candlelight Christmas Eve gatherings, 9 o'clock and 1030 right here. But this is a great opportunity for people to let, let people know that the light has come, Jesus has come, and to invite them here. But again, that's just one specific way as a church that we can do that. But what are some other ways that God may be leading you to lift up King Jesus? Because I'll tell you this, I'm convinced more than ever, oftentimes we look for the grand moments in the home run hits as far as serving people and thinking, okay, if it's not that, then it may not mean a lot to them. But I'm gonna tell you something, I'm more convinced than ever Small acts of kindness and love done from a place of being served and loved by Jesus make all the difference in the world. When we can say to somebody, I see you and I see your value and your worth and your dignity because of what God has done for you and what he says of you, I'm going to tell you, more than ever, people are feeling so unseen and uncared for and unloved. And we as a church, we as his people have an opportunity to say, no, 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 I see you. I see you. I can, I can take a moment to ask a question. I can bring you a cup of coffee. I can ask, is there anything I could be praying for you? I can say, is there anything I can do to serve you and come alongside you? I can take initiative. 
We can, we can be those types of people. And I want you to know, coming out of COVID, I know many of you know this, but I just want to say it because I, I've been more convinced than ever. Coming out of COVID, it did something to people. And the marks of it still are here amongst many people relationally and what their anxiety and all the things that they're carrying and people wanting it to go back to the way it was and it can't fully and all those things. But if you would be a person, if I would be a person that says, Jesus, I'm lowering myself and I'm going to lift up King Jesus. And I'm going to say to the people around me through intentionality and prayer, I see you. And part of saying I see you is, hey, thank you for the good job that you're doing. And I love doing that when I'm shopping right now, especially if I'm out and about. I'll just, I'll come over to the customer service and I'll say to them, hey, I got something to tell you. Their faces like look like this. You guys are doing a great job. I just want to tell you that. And you know what they say? They're like, wow, that caught us off guard. We don't get that. We, don't, we usually don't get that. Whether that's a cashier or a customer service person, just to say, hey, thank you for what you're doing. I know it gets crazy this holiday season. To say to teachers, staff, and faculty, hey, thank you for the ways that you're helping my child, children, experience education in a way that's meaningful and helpful to them. Think about your neighbors and the stuff that they're carrying. Again, if we're going to take on the mind of Christ, we have to behold Christ. We've got to lower ourselves. But then we join him in asking the question, how can I help? How can I serve? How can I add value? Even if the person can't answer you, you're being intentional with your thought to take initiative because of what Christ did. Christ didn't wait for you to come to him. This is the good news of Christmas. He came to you. We're not waiting for people to come to Riverbend before we go to them. No, no, no. We're going to them. We are Riverbend, by the way. This building is a place, it's a tool, it's a resource. It's a place we gather on Sundays at 795 Robo Road. But we are his people. And we're meant to go. And we're meant to join him. So I want to invite you to be thinking about how could you join Jesus of lifting up King Jesus as you bow down and you see him for who he is, and you start to see the people all around you. How could you serve them as Christ has served you? But it starts again, we gotta receive, and then we give from that place. Let's pray together. Father, right now, we thank you for your love for us. And God, we're grateful for an opportunity as we've had today to just jump in your word, to think about who it is and what it is you, Jesus, have come to do. King like no other. Praise be to God. Thank you, Jesus, that you came in this manger throne. You lowered yourself. We are so, so grateful, King Jesus, for you. We're so grateful for what it is you've done for us. And Lord, I know that there are some here today who have yet to put their trust and faith in you. And Lord, I pray that today would be the day that they would trust in you, that they would say yes to you. They would bow down now. Lord, knowing of your great love for us, knowing of what it is you've come to accomplish for us, and responding to your kindness. It says it's your kindness that leads us to repentance, a change of mind, a change of direction. And then, Lord, I, I think of those who are here today, and they feel unseen. And even as I was talking about that, I saw a lot of a head, head's nod. And so if you're here today and just everybody's eyes are closed here right now and you feel like unseen and unheard, would you just 
lift up your hand for me just so I can take a moment to pray for you? If you're feeling like just lonely, discouraged at all, yeah, I see that hand. Yeah, I see you. If you feel like, man, you know what? I'm just going at it my own. Yeah, I see that. Father, I know we want to pray, Jesus, uh, that you would be the comforter. Lord, in this moment, I pray that they would know and get a sense that Christmas tells us we're not alone. Christmas tells us that God has come for us, the great pursuer of us. And so, Lord, I just pray whatever the need is that they're carrying, the need that they may have, Father, um, whether it's physical, whether it's just exhaustion, Lord, I just pray you'd meet them in that. And then, Lord, for those who are thinking about what it is and who it is that you would have them to serve as you lift, they lift you up, King Jesus. I pray that you would give them wisdom on that. I pray you'd give them courage on that. And I pray that they would tell somebody here today, hey, I want to go serve this person. This is who God brought to mind. And so just by show of hands, if you said, hey, there's some people I have come to mind that I want to serve, you just raise your hand for me so I can be praying for you as well. Any, any show of hands on that? Anybody come to mind? Okay. Yep. See that? Yep. Father, I pray in the busyness of the calendar, we would create space to embrace all that you say and all that you have for us. Lord, I don't want to miss you. We don't want to miss you Christmas season. Um, we don't want to go through it this year and say, wow, we just, it, we blinked and it was over. <laughs> Rather, we want to be intentional to prepare ourselves to make room and to make way your love to work in us, through us, and around us. Lord, I thank you for this time together this morning. It's a great joy to be able to gather and to lift up our voice to you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.